Our world is marked by the unknown, despair, failure, and brokenness. But that isn't the end of our story. Into this brokenness, God has woven a thread of hope. This thread winds through the scriptures, through history, and through our very lives, leading us to Jesus. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of the unknown. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of despair. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of failure. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of brokenness. In Him, we have a reason to hope, a living hope, a hope that does not disappoint. In Jesus, we have hope. Well, let's go ahead and continue in our study this morning. If you haven't been with us, um, last week we began a new series we're calling A Thread of Hope. As we look, um, based in Matthew chapter 1, at the, the genealogy of Jesus, really some people, some key people we're pulling out over the next four weeks um, who are in the line of Jesus and the thread of hope we see traveling through these lives that brings us ultimately to Jesus, our source of hope, our living hope. And last week, um, Jason took us through that thread of hope as it traveled through Abraham. We got to see uh, hope even in the unknown of what God may call us to. And this morning, we're going to take some time to dig into uh, hope in the face of despair. And particularly, we're going to look at Rahab. We see this in Matthew chapter 1 in that genealogy. In verse 5, it says, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. See, Rahab is in this, this genealogy of Jesus. And today, I believe there is a thread of hope we can find through her life that is worth taking the time to look at. Um, I think we could all agree if we were going to describe the, the atmosphere around us today, this season, um, even this year, 2020, I don't think we would describe this year as being very hopeful. Um, I don't think we describe this year as being very exciting and uh, joyful, but more so probably words like uh, exhausting, like stressful and fearful. Um, well, in a time of despair, in a time of, of feeling dread and fear, it may seem like hope is the last thing we would be able to experience. In fact, it may seem impossible in a year like we've had to experience something like hope. Well, I was reading an article this week from the Wall Street Journal. Um, it, was, it was published on October 27th by Elizabeth Bernstein. And, and here's what she says about hope. She says, yes, it feels increasingly elusive. Seven months into a pandemic, during an emotionally exhausting election cycle, as winter bears down. Yet hope is the very best reaction for the moment. Psychologists say it's crucial to our physical and mental health. It guards against anxiety and despair, and it protects us from stress. In fact, research shows that people with higher levels of hope in their lives have better coping skills, and they bounce back from setbacks faster. She goes on to say they're also better at problem solving and have lower levels of burnout. People with a greater amount of hope have stronger relationships because they communicate better and are more trusting. They're less stressed parents, 
more able to teach their children and to set goals to solve problems. In fact, one psychologist, uh, professor of psychology, excuse me, at Keene State College said that you can, you can think of hope as a PPE, and he uses that to describe a personal protective emotion. The way that this hope has a way of distinguishing those fears and anxieties and really giving us the necessary strength to cope with what's going on around us. So we can recognize that even today, in fact, especially today, with everything going on around us in the world, hope is necessary. Hope is critical. Well, what is hope? Often, unfortunately, in our culture, we use hope merely to mean wishful thinking. It's, it's in a context of uncertainty. For example, my son, Hudson, he might be hopeful that dad's going to come home in time before it gets dark so we can go to the park and play. There's, there's an uncertainty in that. It's more wishful thinking that he desires it, but he's not sure if it's going to happen. There's no confidence in it. Well, hope in the Lord is different. It's not wishful thinking. It's not ignorant optimism. It's a confident expectation of coming good. We see this throughout scripture. In fact, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 describes hope as, it, it describes it as this full assurance of hope. It's rooted in the word of God and the, the, the unfailing truth we have in his text. We see it attached to our faith all throughout scripture that faith and hope go hand in hand together. As one pastor, John Piper says, we have to recognize today that hope in the Lord does not come naturally to sinners like us. We must preach it to ourselves diligently and forcefully. See, this confident expectation that what God has declared in his word is true and will come to pass does not naturally come to us as sinful beings. We have to be forceful, intentional to preach that truth to ourselves like we saw David do in Psalm 42, 5, when he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. It seems that the greatest servant sermon you could possibly preach to yourself this year, today, is only three words. It's hope in God. If there's one thing through this series we spend the next four weeks on that we want you to walk away with, it's that you must hope in God, that your confidence can be in his proven character, in his tested and true word, that he is a God who never leaves you or forsakes you, and this is where our hope lies. This is where our confidence is found. Well, as we hear about this hope, this expectation of coming good, and it's a confident expectation. You might think, Rahab of all people, why is she our example this morning of this hope, of this confident expectation of God's coming good? She's a harlot by trade. She's a Canaanite, enemies of God's people. She's in a pagan culture. This is who we will find hope from? Well, in fact, there's three ways we're going to look at this morning. That three ways we see demonstrated through Rahab where we can find hope even in a sea of despair. 
where we can find a confidence that we can cling to, that we can look to, that we can trust in, even when all around us seems to be despairing, discouragement, there's still a hope we can have. It starts, as we're going to see in Joshua chapter 2, picking up in the, the life of Rahab. To give you a little context, Joshua and the children of Israel are ready to now enter the promised land. And he sends out two spies into Jericho. Jericho would be the first city they were met with as they crossed the Jordan. And as they're preparing to go in, they send two spies. We don't have a lot of time to dig into that, but there's, there's a lot in there because Joshua being a part of the first group of spies that went and sought out this land, one of 12 at that point, and yet how many came back with a good report? Only two of the 12. And so now Joshua, all the wiser, sends out only two this time into Jericho to spy out the land. And pick it up in Joshua 2 verse 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men who came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. And then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before we continue on, the first lesson we want to learn about hope demonstrated through the life of Rahab is that hope starts with surrender. We see that in our text this morning, that true, confident hope that can be anchored in the Lord, it starts with surrender. It starts with surrendering all of our false hopes and other things, things that will let us down, Things that can't possibly offer what we desperately need. True hope in the Lord, it starts when we cast those other hopes aside. For Rahab, it looked like a surrender of her own will and ability to try and work and get herself out of the situation she was in. It looked like a surrender of trusting in these fortified walls that surrounded Jericho, which were truly a spectacle to behold. Walls that were on a slope, some below and some above, but were so large and so vast that it seemed impossible to penetrate. But she cast aside that hope of the protection of her city. And she cast aside the hope of the protection of this nation that she was under, this pagan nation that was known as being a giant people, a people that the children of Israel cowered from in past times. She cast aside all of these false hopes and she trusted in God. 
In fact, in this moment, she trusts in these two spies. She sees a glimmer of hope, a chance at a better life, an opportunity to leave this all behind and to find mercy and grace in this Lord that is going with the children of Israel. And she surrenders to that. Maybe if you were going to describe this year, despair would be a pretty accurate word. You had hopes that, that we'd be out of this, this COVID pandemic by now. You may have had hopes that the election was going to go differently. You had plans and events and things you wanted to accomplish this year that weren't able to happen. And as you look at this year, you just find hope after hope that has been destroyed, has been crushed. And you find yourself in despair, the absence of hope. Let me challenge you this morning to surrender all of those hopes to the Lord, the one who is above all, as Rahab will declare the God of heaven and of earth, the one who cannot fail. He is unfailing in his character. He cannot let you down and place your hope in him. Place your confidence in this God. For Rahab, this was her opportunity. Now surrender takes sacrifice. For her, she's risking her life here and the life of her family as she lies to the king and his authorities who come to her place and tell them that, that the spies went out and she doesn't know where they went, all the while hiding them on the roof of her home. This took sacrifice. It took a risk. You will have to sacrifice the momentary hopes for a longer permanent hope we can place in the Lord. She gave up those momentary hopes. She could have turned them in and gained favor with the king. Maybe she could have got a better place to live. It's assumed, in fact, that her home would have been inside the lower wall of the city, in the slums of Jericho, the low-income areas. She had no hope of getting out of this place. Maybe this was her opportunity to sell out the spies, gain favor with the king, but she doesn't place her hope in her own strength and her own ability to try and work herself out of her situation, she placed her hope in this God she's heard of. This God that is going with the children of Israel and is bringing victory to them wherever they go. And so she hides the spies. But the second lesson we learn from Rahab is that hope is followed by faith. You see, it was more than just casting her hope on these spies. It was an act of faith that she begins to take here as she takes steps towards protecting them and getting something from them. You see, picking up in verse 8, it says, Now before they laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. 
And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. You see, her hope is followed by faith. These two, as we mentioned, are commonly seen together hand in hand in Scripture because they're so closely related. In fact, my wife and I were reading a Christmas Advent series this morning Um, And the devotional described hope as a future faith. That hope is merely a faith for what is to come in the future. Faith today is proof of the hope we have in tomorrow. So if I'm confident that there is a coming good, if I'm confident in this hope that is to come, faith is the demonstration daily of that hope. Let me give you an example. If you you were playing a, a hand of blackjack with some friends, If you're confident in your hope that the hand you have is a winning hand, that nobody can beat your hand, that you've got the 21, that you're going to win this hand against the dealer, faith would be you putting all your chips on that hand. Faith would be the demonstration that you are so confident in this coming good that you're willing to bet it all on that hand. Faith is that action that demonstrates your conviction. Here, faith was Rahab hiding the spies on her roof. Faith was Rahab risking her life to protect these men because she believed, if there's any hope at all for me, it's in this God that these people follow. And that faith in that hope was demonstrated by the way she protects them, by the way she provides a way of escape for them. And she lays all her chips on their hand. She lays all of her hope in this God that they serve. This morning, my challenge to you is to do the same, to lay all your chips in the corner with the Lord, to place all of your hope and trust in a God who is proven and faithful, not to try and work out our own hope and abilities on ourselves. not to place all of our hope in our nation and our country, but to place our hope on our King who is on the throne the only one who we can count on, who we can trust in, who will never leave us or forsake us, who was with us till the end and has promised to work all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But there's a third thing we learn here, a third lesson that Rahab teaches us. And let's move on in verse 14. It says, the men answered her, our lives For yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this scarlet line of, this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. 
and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, and if you t- uh, then we will be free from your oath, which you have made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she, d- she departed, sent them away, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. This is the text we see here, this, this confident hope that she's given a guarantee with, a cord, a scarlet cord that she is told to hang outside the window where she has helped the spies escape. And they tell her that this cord is going to be their guarantee, their promise to her that she can cling to, that she can be confident in, will keep her safe. Now, it's important that we look at this. You see, in Hebrew, hope is the word tikva. And Strong's defines it as a cord, but it also defines it as expectation and hope. See, it comes from the Hebrew root word kavah, meaning to bind together, to collect, to expect, to tarry, or to wait. Now take note of the concrete idea but behind this woven cord or this rope. As we discussed, our English word for hope is much more abstract, more wishful thinking. But the Hebrew provides a clear visual here. A bound up cord or a rope a thread that can, be, uh, not, that, that can be easily seen with our eyes. It's something we can, we can grasp and we can hold on to. Hope is something that's real and it's tangible. So much so that we can cling to it in times of need. It's not something figurative, elusive, out of reach. It's something clear, obvious, and at our fingertips. And this hope here, this this assurance that she has, that she will be spared the coming destruction, that she will be saved from the despair that is over her city. This is the first time we see this word used in scripture, this word tikva, that means this hope, this confidence, this expectation. Now, as we already mentioned, hope is a faith in the future, See, hope is so clearly tied to waiting. It's a faith in the future of what is to come, but what cannot be seen yet. She had that cord hanging from her window, and yet every day that she woke up and she saw that cord, she had to continue to place her hope in it, to believe that she would be spared of what was coming, and yet she could not yet see the hope that was coming. I wonder if there were days in this waiting that Rahab began to doubt, that she began to feel foolish of this cord. Are these men really going to spare me? I don't deserve their mercy. I did one act of kindness for them. Is that really enough for them to spare me and my household? I'm sure there were moments of temptation that she felt like I should just take the cord out of the window altogether. They're not going to spare me. There's no real hope for me. But it remained. By faith each day, she continued to keep that cord in the window. She continued to believe that her hope of what was to come was sure. That this God who has given these people victory will continue to bring victory for those who trust in him. 
And by faith, she kept that cord in that window. This crimson cord in that window that was her reminder of her salvation. Now, there's a very real destruction coming to our world today as well. Much like what Rahab knew was coming. And there is a terror we can feel if we align ourselves and attach ourselves to this world. But like Rahab, we have an opportunity today. We have an invitation today to place our hope in a God who can spare us, who can save us from that coming destruction. You see, for Rahab, we can move on in Joshua and see that she is spared, that her household is spared, that that cord in the window that hung was a hope that kept them safe from the coming destruction. And our hope today, our confidence, our seal, and our guarantee is in the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22 tells us that all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He has died on the cross and his blood that bled scarlet for us has now brought a hope through his Holy Spirit and a guarantee that when we place our faith in him like Rahab did in these spies, that when we allow his blood to be the crimson cord that hangs on our hearts, that reminds us of the hope that our God will spare us of the coming destruction and will save us, not because we've earned it or deserve it, but because of his mercy and grace, we find peace, we find hope, we find salvation. And what I love in this story, in the midst of this beautiful example of hope in the face of despair, is that these men were sent into that city on a recon mission, but what actually God was doing was sending them on a rescue mission to save this woman, to spare her of the destruction that was coming, and to provide a way through her line that the Messiah would come. The heart of our Heavenly Father who goes out to save the one family in the midst of the city, who would leave the 99 to come after the one. That same God is calling to you today to offer you a living hope as we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being purified, excuse me, guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have this living hope extended to us today. Let's place our confidence, our expectation of coming good in a Savior who has proven himself, who has given us that scarlet cord as our guarantee. Let's surrender to him. Let's act by faith each day that demonstrates that hope we have in him. And let's be a people that continue to trust in a God that is above all of our circumstances, who has proven himself faithful and extends an invitation to you today. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you for this reminder through Rahab. The lessons we can learn of hope, even in the face of despair. 
God, I pray that we would cling to your proven character, that we would trust in your word, and that we would look to you and to nothing else for our hope and our strength. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.